So, are you curious? Codex. I am your ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. Mandy Fabian is back to talk about Jess Plus None and the world premiere that happened recently in jolly old England. But the most important news is that I actually got to see the movie. You want to hear my thoughts? So does she. So let's listen along together. Chapter 16. 150 Bazillion Mistakes. Well, here we are again. <laughs> Far jump into the future uh, to talk about Just Plus None uh, and all the events that have gone on. So, hi, Mandy. Hi, Kyle. You said you said accurately the movie that never ends. This is one of those things. This is our the the very first part of our PSA to all filmmakers is get ready because when everybody says, "Well, a movie that takes a good two or three years of your life," every filmmaker goes, "Well, not my movie." <laughs> yeah, six months what? from idea to distribution. <laughs> Right? You're like, no, no, no. I'll work much faster than that. Those are people that don't know what they're doing. Has that been like the biggest surprise for you in this whole thing? Like how, yes no. how, how long the timeline really is? It did. I think the last time we talked, like post-production was taking a long time. But there were there were snafus. There were genuine like, oh... You know, if we take this extra time, the movie will be that much better. And there were, and I, as because I, this was my first feature, I also wanted to do it as a learning process. So I did take my time and I did take some luxuries that maybe I, I wouldn't have if I was like, oh no, we got, you know, if there was like a hard delivery date and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there, if you're working yeah. under someone else's constraints. Yeah, this was definitely like we felt it was worth it to take the extra time. And I wanted the experience to really, really look at all the footage and see what I had done and learn from all of my mistakes, which I think there were two, two mistakes on the whole movie. Yeah. Oh, OK. Like when you watch the final <laughs> the final cut, you were like, ooh. no, I'm just kidding. I'm like oh. making I made a, I made one hundred and fifty bazillion <laughs> mistakes. I'm just only willing to cop up to two. Or cop to uh, two. Well, I guess, the, I guess the, the first thing we'll start out with is um, you were kind enough to share a link with me, and I got to yes. see Just Plus None. I'm so excited. After all this time, I actually got to see it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can't tell you how thrilling that is because, you know, along with all this talk of, like, how long it does take to make a movie and how much of your heart and soul you put into it. Like, the thing that you forget when you get into making something like this you know, because it gets to be all about like, oh, whether it's going to be good or bad. Or, and you get so involved in these little details that you forget the real payoff of all of this is someone getting to watch it. Right. I mean, that's really it. You're like, oh, I just did like the hardest work I've ever done. And I offered up everything I have and I'm an open book. Like, here you go. And, you know, honestly, whether people are like it or don't like it, it's not it's not my business and I can't, there's no, I have no control over that. Right. Cause it could be like, Oh my God, you had a fight with your girlfriend. You hate my movie. You, you know, miss your college friends. You love my movie, but like being able to actually share it and have somebody watch it and have any opinion at all is like such a gift. It, that is where I'm at right now in this process. I'm like, Oh, I have a finished movie. Now I get to meet my audience. And that's actually really exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I'm excited to hear. Like, I mean, you know, you be, go easy, but like, okay. how? What? How um, would you uh, describe it? You're great. It's great. Everything's great. There you go. No, <laughs> okay, just, let's I'm, move on. No. Let's move on. That's great. <laughs> that's it. That's, uh, you can, if you want to put that on the back of the DVD cover, that's totally fine. I'm gonna, that's going to be the quote for the poster. Are you kidding me? Oh, all right. Nice. <laughs> Man, I'm nailing this journalism thing. Uh, actually, it turns out I'm, I'm actually terrible at this job, and I'm gonna, I'll tell you why as we're, as we're talking about this. But um, <laughs> yeah, I got to see it. And I, I was, uh, once again, whenever you watch a friend's project, you always yes. go in with like, don't suck. Don't suck. Please don't yeah. suck. <laughs> because then oh. you're going to have to find the things that are good. So you can be like, mm, boy, costumes. Yeah, you really got, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. I had a friend one time. He was in a play and mm. one of his friends after he came out in the audience and his a, a friend who was in the audience came up to him and said, you should have been in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I was like, oh, OK. Yeah, I, I just read a, 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 someone saying um, that they're always honest, uh, but they they so they say if something like that if the person if it was terrible they're gonna say it but they're like but the moment to say it is what's important ah. because <laughs> when you've just come off stage and you still have the pancake makeup on and you're sweating now's not the time to be like you know this was not oh, your I, best work you know yeah, like i have notes i have notes yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, well, that is not the time to give notes. like maybe a couple like a, like a week later you can be like you know maybe you could try right you know what I have really learned from doing the Mand Cave with Mandy Kaplan, like, is what I really have learned, and you know, our the whole premise of our podcast is that, you know, we disagree. We and it's true. We, it's not fabricated. Literally, if I love something, I know she'll hate it, and vice versa. It's very rare that we're like, yeah, on a project that we both love it. Um, but. That's the thing that I've learned from it is that, oh, really, truly, these are just opinions based in nothing. Like it's it's not it does not mean anything about the inherent value of somebody's work. It, it, it You know, it's like if I don't love horror movies, I'm not going to get the same thing out of something that somebody else is. You know, like it's it's a really it's just so specific to the person and it's meaningless. It's actually like I I. You know, I, I don't know, like, I know it means something to us and we all think our opinions are everything and we're like posting everywhere that like, this was a good movie and this was a bad movie and this is wonderful and this is terrible. But at the end of the day, it's like for every person who loves it, there's going to be somebody out there who hates it. That's been the hardest part about like, I did not realize that until there I am at the world premiere mm. going. Yeah, which, which we're going to talk about later. Yes. But there I'm going, oh, Oh, God, like it, it's not just my friends and family. Like these are people who have come here to form an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was people really, who have no idea who you are and are about to judge your work. Yeah, it was very scary. But before we get to them, those a-holes, yeah. I'd love to hear. <laughs> that's right. I'd love to hear your impressions. How how was it for you? What was the ride for you? Yeah, that was uh, yeah. So I, I got I guess, like I got a chance to watch it at home. So I went. I was by myself. So it was just because of timing, um, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I I would be happy to watch with my wife, but probably not with the kids. So of, of many things, <laughs> sure. I don't I don't consider just supposed to be a family film, though it does no, have you know no, no, good no. strong morals, but. Maybe maybe oh, keep yeah. the kids home. I'm also no, not no, going to. No. I'm not going to spoil anything. I, I want people to also go on the ride. So I will try and you know make some allusions to things that we both know that the rest of the audience might not know because I don't want to. I don't want anybody else to, well, to, to uh, lose you, some of the surprises. 
I know we, uh, we've been talking, we've talked for what, you know, 15 yeah. hours about the movie, but exactly. there are still some things yeah. that I was, I did not see coming. I were genuine surprises. So I was, you did a good job of talking about the movie without giving away major plot points. So good that on you. That makes me so happy. Yay. Okay. Yeah, like I actually, you, we, you were good about not telling what the ending is. So I'm also not going to tell what the ending is too, because there comes a point where you're like, this could go a couple of ways. And I'm like that. I, I was sort of like that actually got to a certain point of the movie where I can, I can say that she's standing next to her car and it was sort of like, Oh, I'm like, it's sort of like, it, I was, I was really invested by that point because I'm <gasps> like, this could go like, I'm like, what is the message she's saying? What is she going to do here? You know, like, which Yay. is it going to be? And yeah. So yeah, oh, I, think, I, and, love- and I think, I think, I think, and it, and your, your choice justifies the movie that had come before. So I think that that point is sort of like, yeah, that's a winner. Like when he got to that point, I was like, yep, that's the right choice for that. Oh, that makes me so happy. That's great. I yeah, say that I, uh, what, what I uh, what I messed up on is uh, I had not gotten in. Uh, you you had mentioned all these names and you talked to all these people, but I had not gone in and looked at like the IMDb page. And so people would show up on screen. And I'm like, I know who that is. Like I I kind of <laughs> thought this was going to be like, <laughs> you know, Mandy and her pals. But like oh. you have some heavy hitters in this movie. Yeah, I have so, great like, people actors that in this I, movie. I I was like. Hey, I know that guy. Hey, I know that lady. Like, I didn't. You, you were talking about Abby. We had a whole thing talking about casting Abby and stuff too. I didn't realize Abby Miller was the same Abby Miller from The Magician, which is one of my favorite television shows. So she shows up. I'm like, oh, I know exactly who that is. Like, oh my god, oh, that makes me so happy. You know, she had never done comedy before this. Like, she had done it in theater, but nobody ever cast her to be funny. And I only ever knew her as being funny. And so I'm so glad she's getting a chance to like really, really, you know, show off her comedic chops in this film and her dramatic chops. Like, I don't, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but comedy without heart doesn't interest me so much. Like, I like the emotional journey of it. And she was just, you know, perfect for that. Oh, that's fun. So who else did you know? Did you know? Uh, who, who Rory else? O'Malley. Rory O'Malley you was did. from Hamilton. Like, yes. he, was, he was in Broadway. I was like, I was, I'm like, I'm like, he's talking. I'm like, I know that guy. I feel like I know that guy. And I looked up. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Rory O'Malley. Yes, yes. And he was a Tony Award nominee for uh, Book of Mormon as well. Oh, I forgot he was in that, too. Man. He's in the original cast recording of Book of Mormon. He okay, plays the guy turn he, it he, off. He, like then he lights, joins but... a, a small group of people who I'm I would have been huge fans of without knowing who they were. <laughs> because there's some Can people I tell like, you? like Victor Garber was one of those too. Like Victor Garber, I was like, Oh yeah, oh. man, Victor Garber on alias, he's great. And they're like, you know, he was you know, he was in Assassins. And I was like, What? Like the cast recording that I've listened to a thousand times? That's that's Victor Garber? Never, I, like, never made that connection. And all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, I knew Rory did Hamilton. I knew he was playing King George on the tour of Hamilton and had done it on Broadway all those years. Oh, I knew he was in Book of Mormon, but I didn't know that he was on the, the cast recording. So one oh. day my daughter's like, Mom, I want to listen to Rory. Is Rory. Did Rory sing in anything? Can we hear Rory sing? Because she knew he was a Broadway guy. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Let's look up his name on Spotify. And the Book of Mormon shows up and I'm like, oh my God. So there we are driving around. Uh, now I know which songs are clean and which ones are not. So my kids only know the clean ones. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but like we had a ball listening. to, And then they, of course, they went home and choreographed all the numbers and were like doing 
dances from the Book of Mormon. I just got a huge kick out of it. Yeah, it's um, funny. We had yeah. just we were just watching Hamilton again, and so one of the pieces of trivia that I know about that show, which I was obsessed with, like everybody else when it came out with, is Rory was King George during the time of the filming. But they asked him to step aside so that Groff could come back. And he graciously allowed that to happen. Like he sort of like surrendered the role and then took it back, which I thought was a real class act for him. Yeah. Yep. So like, and he, you know, he, so he, I, for all my, he deserves all the laurels. Uh, and then uh, let's see, there was, I have, I have the list because there's someone else. Oh, uh, uh, Scott, Scott, is it Scott Spiezer? Yes, yeah, Scott Spiezer. Yes. Spicer. Okay, Scott Spicer. Okay, I want to make, make sure you yeah. get the name right because that he was on uh, The Tick uh, yes. on Amazon, which was a fantastic show. He was overkill and he was amazing. Like every as soon as he started talking, I'm like, man, I know that voice. Oh, and I that's up and so I was like, fun. Oh. So yeah, you have some serious nerd cred in this movie. <laughs> Yay! I know. Well, and that's we'll talk about that. But I'm I'm trying to figure out like how we let their audience members know because like how are how are nerds gonna find my movie you know what i mean yeah <laughs> we, no, we need to find nerds. all the magicians podcasts and fan groups to be like hey if you liked her there <laughs> yeah. check her out over here <laughs> yeah exactly and scott actually i i did a pilot uh i directed a pilot that he wrote it was like an independent pilot that they wanted to do and i was brought on as a director and that's how i met him and i oh my god i love him I would just put him in anything. He's so he was great. dang funny. I, he improvised I, okay, a lot so, of stuff in that movie. Oh, really? Uh huh. Yeah. So the what well, I thought I was trying to think. Of, there's a lot of things I want to I want to say, but one of the things I, I I love is like you not only managed to make everybody distinct, which as a writer I know how difficult that can be. That to everybody that they don't all sound like you, but sometimes <laughs> they do. Every once in a while, I was like that's like the way she like she would deliver. A line or whatever. I'm like, that sounds exactly like me. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, I don't you can't know. Help it. Well, I don't know if I mentioned this. Yes, Jess is very much like me. Yes, there are things in the movie that are slightly autobiographical, and like definitely her voice is my voice in terms of humor. But then also because I've watched the movie a hundred and fifty bazillion times. Yeah. I have it in that way that your favorite movie, like you still find yourself quoting when Harry met Sally or the uh -huh. princess bride or whatever, like movies that you've watched so many times. Like I can't, I, 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 it's a, it's a rhythm in my head that now I'm like, Oh God, is that me? Or is that Jess? I can't separate them anymore. I, I talk like her. I squeal like her. I, there's something I do all the time in real life that I go, yeah, <laughs> she does that in the movie and I can't stop myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it's we're we're mind melding a little bit. Yeah, um, uh, when you actually found a way to to make um, a douchebag relatable, <laughs> because there's a, a very important scene where like uh, where where one of the characters you know, like lays out their life philosophy, the character that we sort of had written off or whatever, and I was like, wow, you actually got into it. Like you actually like found a way in to be like the rich douchebag and to see like what, how he sees the world and to open it up so the rest of us can go. Like, even if you don't agree, you go, okay, I, I get his point of view. Yes, so that, that was, was my goal. Well written. <laughs> Thank you. I, it was my dream. I, I was so excited to have that scene in the movie because I thought my dream would be that every straight man in America would be dragged by their girlfriends to this movie. <laughs> and then... At the end, Scott 
who plays Greg, the rich hedge fund managing pro, who's the groom in this in this movie. Uh, he gives this great speech at the at their wedding. And I, my dream is that every straight man in America would like jump up and go, yes, like finally, <laughs> somebody gets it. That's exactly what we've been trying to say for years. Like, I, I love it. I, I, I really had hoped that that would resonate with straight guys. Every, and just to clue people in, because I don't think it ruins anything. But what he says was, he, he says, like, if you're looking for another version of you, that's not me. He's basically saying, like, my tastes in life are simple. I have simple tastes. It's not that I'm a jerk or a douchebag, and it's not that I don't love you. I'm just simple. And there's something about that that, like, for some women is really the very perfect partner. And that's true for every couple in this movie. And not everybody's in a couple, but every couple has their own version, their own imperfect version of what their love language is, right? They all, it, they're all with the person who's right for them and they all have these issues, but they, it, and and it doesn't look the same way. Like I have so many couple friends that I look at and I go, oh yeah, I wouldn't want to be in that relationship. I could not survive a second in that relationship. And they've said that to me about mine, you know, but it's like, right. Because that, you know, that isn't That's a good fit for you. It's a good person right. for me, right? Which and it and it really so we can all stop pointing fingers at everybody and go, oh, that marriage. You go like, yeah. Well, guess what? Some people don't want to sleep in the same bed. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they that's fine for them. And if they want to agree to that for the rest of their lives, that's their business. It's not for me to judge. You know? Yeah, I spent that's the, not my the movie, movie by the way. Going back and forth, being uh, either Peter or Nate. Those were the people I most related to because like Nate, I was like, I don't fit in here, but I'm going to try. Like, I'm going to, you know, like doing whatever he can to be like, no, everything's great. I'm having a, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Nate is the husband. So for people who are listening, Nate is the husband of one of the college friends. It's a group of college friends who are at an off the grid wedding in the woods. And Nate is the husband of one of the women who's like, just wants to go and have a good time. <laughs> And yeah, she, wants, she wants self. to have a wild time and he is yeah. <laughs> straight and dependable and, you know, sort uh, of just a regular guy, loves his kid, loves his life, just but sort of not cool, not with yeah. it, not as, you know, not as hip as all everyone else and just trying to like fit in and, and get to that. The sweetest I, I, guy I, played by Tate Ellington playing Nate. So don't think that wasn't a little confusing on set, but, um, <laughs> but Tate playing Nate. Tate, uh -huh. Nate. Uh, and our sound guy's name was Nate, too. So that was really fun. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he he was so he was so funny because even when I met him after auditioning, we had the like, you know, we had a, a meet and greet just to, so we get to know each other a little bit. And he was like, I'm this guy like this is me. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then when he was on set, I was like, oh, wow, you really are. You're really this guy. Yeah. Like this was really good casting. Like yeah. he, he he is so. It just, you know, talks and like, he's really funny. His improvisation was amazing. He also like played around with the character a lot. Like it was just, yeah, he was really, really good. And really that he'll just never stop talking. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, no one, no one's listening to you anymore. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Then I guess I'll stop now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And then, and then uh, Rory, 
O'Malley playing Peter. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, yes, I would hate all of this as well. <laughs> I don't want to be in the woods. I don't want to be doing sports. Yeah. So many times I was like, I am with you a hundred percent. That's great. You know, it was not until I mean, it wasn't until after I had shot the movie that I mm-hmm. realized what I had done. Uh, that I had written a gay couple named Peter and Vince. And it really came home, you know, which, of course, is the names of the creators of Better Call Saul, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Um, And I was like, ooh, oh, gosh, I just did that. And now it's done. Like, it's uh, the film is done. I can't change it. But I liked the names. And then having them, we had a little cast and crew, like friends and family screening in Los Angeles. And they both came. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I named the gay couple Peter. Did they pick up on it? I'm pretty sure they did, okay, but you know, okay. that's all right. It was a, it's a testament to how much I love them, that they were right. in my brain. And they yeah. are also a power couple. Yes. They, they in made many ways. stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. But yeah, so it was interesting going through and then like having memories of things I had never experienced because it's like, <gasps> oh, that's when she was talking about like, oh, this is the set she talked about with the. You know, and or the CG, like I realized why you had CG animals in it. I'm like, oh, that's why. Okay. Interesting, right? Yeah. And and if you look at my movie, if you're just watching it, the last thing you're thinking of is whew, those special effects. Right. Right. This <laughs> right. <laughs> not that kind of movie. So the fact that I wrote anything with VFX in it, like I wrote all these things going, oh, wait, that's how it's done. Like, I don't know. I think I actually thought we would get an actual rabbit and figure it out, you know. Um, so it was very uh, it's very interesting that like that must have been fun to watch it with that. Yeah, like, oh, yeah exactly. That's right. right. It's like, oh, yeah. Remember what she talked about? Oh, sure. Yeah. Or uh, even the opening and stuff too, and it suddenly a oh, pillow appears, opening. and you're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." We the talked about that had directing to, that, and <laughs> had to recut that thing for like a month just to find the right. Yeah, yeah. I know I gave that advice to filmmakers back then, but I'll say it again: think of your opening and think of transitions. <laughs> yes, there's something I've, I've sort of started noticing more that is a mark of a good director. And which is what I'm going to say I saw it in here is that you let actors act because there's Aww. so many times when you basically just leave the camera on on any of your actors and just let them do their thing. You know, it's like obviously all it all actors want the close up and the big emotion and stuff too. But you, with the really good actors, you leave the camera on and just let them play it out and let their their faces do the work i mean like this is what they're on so like watching some of the stuff of abby going through three or four different emotions without saying a single thing a lot of directors would have been like not funny that's uh, just cut and move on and stuff too but like you really found your moments to just like let us let us see their faces i really that was so important to me i you know, that's my cheat. Like whether or not I'm a good director remains to be seen. But um, I I know that the one thing that really works for me is the thing that I like to see in movies. Like I love actors. That's that's the main thing. Like at, you can have all the special effects and all the story in the world. And if it's not compelling characters who I want to watch and who I care about and good dialogue, I, I don't 
I don't respond to those movies. Some people do. The other stuff really fills those gaps for them and they love it and they don't care. I really need that stuff. So when that stuff is then combined with extraordinary visuals or special effects or an incredible story, then it's like those movies ring all the bells for me. But but for me, if I had to give and, and you know, with the budget we had too, like that was what that was the primary thing that was very like that I wanted to work with and that was available to me. And I'm really glad that you um, noticed that and liked that. And that's something that I chose as a filmmaker. I wanted the audience to feel like they had gone to a really great wedding and some drama happened and they were they had sort of a front row seat. But the perspective of the camera really the whole time should feel, for the most part, should feel like you are a guest at the wedding. So I didn't want to, there's times you have to cut, you have to cut a lot for comedy, like meaning rapid fire editing, not cutting things out, but, but, yeah, but like I the, really, like the, the montage in the middle with they're doing all the different volleyball and, and sports and stuff too. That was, it's funny, yes. but it's like, but you got to keep moving. Yeah. But even that, so not necessarily in real time, but even that I shot it like you're somebody watching, you're a guest at the wedding. And I wanted it to the the more dramatic bits or some of the dramatic moments like I built them sort of so it would it should feel like you're just having your glass of wine over here and you happen to notice you're one of the people that notices, oh, she reacted funny to that. Oh, you know, you're you're the audience is building the story through your lens. Right. And even some of the shots we on purpose did them like, let's do it from behind this tree as if you're coming back from your cabin and the scene is unfolding and you're catching, you're catching it, right? Like just there are little things like that that we put in that, that I, I think they work. It feels, I had a couple of people say, I, I feel like I am friends with these people. You know, I felt like I went to that wedding with them and I was like, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, like you, it's a lot of characters. Like that you yes. have to introduce in a short amount of time and, and establish oh the God. relationships and, and who likes who and who doesn't like who and, you know, who came into the group later and, and all of those things. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of a lot of maneuvering to get that yeah. on. But again, yeah. I just sort of uh, what you're talking about with. The faces like I remember one thing what really struck me uh, was when um Something happens, uh, something dramatic, and everyone need, needs to help. Uh, Peter comes to Jess, who is mm -hmm. like, it looks like she's leaving. And basically, he's wanting her to come and help. And she doesn't say almost anything. So he's doing all the stuff of like, well, come on, like, you like, this is your time, like, let's, let's go. And so, and she doesn't say a word now like it, now my instinct as a, as a writer is to give her, it's the back and forth, da, 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 da. but she basically conveys everything without saying anything. And it's a really, really powerful scene. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked that. Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. I can't remember if we had written more. I don't, I don't think so. I don't know what, I don't remember what the balance was with the original script, but I do know that he had said more. There was a, he kind of had a whole speech and we felt like it was too much because at the end of the day, the moment needed to be, he was asking for her help and she could not give it to him and she could not say why. Yeah. And that and that's is the heartbreaking thing. And, and, and that was conveyed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yay. That makes me so happy. Boy, talk about these things. Like you just don't know. You shoot those things and you're like, 
is anybody going to get this? Like, and then the more, again, when you watch a movie a hundred times, huge jumps in time start to make you go, oh my God, he was just on the dance floor. How is he suddenly here? Like, you know, it's a funny, but you know, nobody cares. You're just following along with the story, but it's, uh, it, it, I'm so glad that you like that. I really, I really, she's amazing. She's such a good actress. I, I love that, you know, I, she would make me laugh and be a goofball and a clown. And then she would just, anytime you're like, okay, your heart's broken. She'd be like, okay. And bleh, she just was so open and vulnerable and struggling. She was so in it for this character. I'm so grateful to her. Yeah. I, the fact that she as the lead, I mean, she's the title character, you know, yeah. would, would allow herself to be so unglamorous. Like there's, I mean, by, you know, sort of the third act or whatever, she's a mess yeah. in every way, shape and form. Like, you know, like doesn't, it's just emotionally, physically, costume wise, mm-hmm. makeup mm-hmm. wise. I mean, she is a- absolutely wrecked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's that takes a lot too to know that like you are putting yourself up there as being like in a big movie looking terrible. <laughs> God bless her. Yeah. yeah I exactly. think she probably has mixed feelings about it in retrospect. Uh <laughs> as but as every actress would. I mean, you know, they have to sh- they have to show up to these red carpets and they have to do all the things. They have to look good. It's part of their business. But, you know, they also, for this, you know, I didn't want, I on purpose, like, I wanted to be able to get there. I wanted it to feel, I wanted everyone to really feel like people just, I, well, the funny thing is, <laughs> I wanted them to feel like normal people that you would actually run into at a wedding. Like, I didn't want it to be like Hollywood glamorous, but I did notice when I was in London that like, oh, wow, I did choose all of these people for their talent. But they're also <laughs> really pretty. Like, you they're have so some sh- really pretty people in this movie. Oh, my God. They're so good looking. It hurts your eyeballs. Well, uh, when you had, uh, I think it's, it's uh, is it Shalim Ortiz? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when when Hugh shows up with Rita, yeah, it's just like, oh wow, like <laughs> <laughs> shut up sixes. A couple of nines have arrived, and it's like, okay, yeah, the hotness really... curve has been blown. You're like, ooh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's really, it, it's really crazy. Uh, were, were those uh, were those the actual tattoos, or was that part of the? Oh, no, they're actual tattoos. And what I love, you know, you have to get clearance on all those tattoos. You have to get like a signed waiver. Yeah. So thankfully, he's been in a bunch of TV shows. So they had already done that. So he still had the paperwork and everything. So we got clearance on all his tattoos. But it was also one of those weird things where I was like, oh, man, this is going to be such a bummer. Like, how are we going to find a guy who's like really hot, who can also sing, (laughs) who's also a good actor, who can also do comedy like... Uh, this is going to take me six months. And then the casting director, Erica Bream, was like, well, how about Shalim Ortiz? And she, and I was like, is this for real? Like, he has a recording contract and he his Instagram, like, if you look at his Instagram, he looks like it's a, he's a rock star. That's, he's not, he's an actor, but like, he acts like a rock star. And I was like, this is crazy. And then he was just a really genuinely nice guy. Like it was, I was so lucky. And in the weird way, I'd cast all these people to play these parts. And then when I met them in person, I don't know if I talked about this before, but they were all exactly like their characters in some way. (laughs) They really were. They all had 
parts of that in them. And it, and they marveled at it. They were like, this is weird because, <laughs> you know, maybe the one that's furthest from her character is probably Alexis, who plays Wendy. She is, you know, she is like kundalini yoga lady and she's the oh. most chill, zen, although would not get caught dead in the woods. Like, you know, not, no, no camping for her, no bugs, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but she, she's very like kumbaya and all is well. And she would never be as stressed out or as like unhappy with her life as Wendy is in the movie. <laughs> oh. Or is oh, disinterested that, 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 in her child. I would never have expected that. I, I would, yeah, so good on her. She, she, she had me fooled. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's a good, good comedian. God, I love watching her just nail those jokes all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. So we have like the married couple. We have the gay couple. And then we have Jess, who her ex-girlfriend is there, but she's also dating a guy. And, and it was something for everybody in this movie. I was an audience of one. Uh, but yes. you got to have put in front of a much larger audience. So let's talk about the world premiere, which happened <laughs> not in this country, but on the other yeah. side of the pond. Indeed, so how did yes. how did the uh, how did the the film festival come to be, and how did how did the sort of the world premiere materialize? Oh man, I was on a field trip with my kid going down to Mocha with her fifth grade class, and. I got the tech, I got the email that I had gotten accepted to the festival and I screamed. I was like, oh my God, we're going to London. They're going to fly me to London. Like I just, I couldn't believe it. It was so exciting. I had, I had eyeballed BFI uh, Flair for a while. They're just, they're a fantastic festival, um, an LGBTQ festival, which, you know, I think is, I was as an audience, I definitely want to connect with and celebrate and I identify with. And so I really love that that's where we started off. It was, they were so enthusiastic. Time Out London and the Evening Standard gave us these little write ups that said one of the top 10 films to watch in the festival, which was a huge boost. So we walked into this like with two sold out screenings, just about. Oh. Like it was. Oh, yeah, it was the Saturday night was sold out and the Wednesday was like probably 70 percent sold out the first day. So it was a very, very cool experience. I thought I was going to have to go over there because, you know, with film festivals, you know, depending on where you're at and how high up the food chain you are, you know, if, if you don't if you don't have a lot of stars or if you're not a big splashy movie or whatever, but you got in, they can program you like a Monday morning at 10. Sure. You can have a raunchy sex comedy at, at 10 a.m. on a Monday and you got to then work it and go around the city with postcards or go to places you think your audience is and promote the movie, give out prizes, merch, like whatever you have to do to get butts and seats. So we had actually prepared for that and we, we got there early so that we could hit the ground running. And then a couple weeks before the premiere, I went to go online to buy some tickets for some friends of ours that were over there. We invited people to come and it was sold out. So I was like, oh God, well, we're going to have all this extra time and we're not going to have to pound the pavement like that. We get to go see movies and we get to, yeah, that was really nice. That press, that press really, really helped. Um, But then, you know, and then you, we had 450 people in the theater for our premiere. So it was just really kind of breathtaking and scary as hell. I'm not going to lie. It was scary as hell. Well, all day I was like, oh, I'm really nervous. And Patrick's like, what are you nervous for? You got a great movie. Like, enjoy it. And I'm like, no, I am enjoying it. But I am also nervous. Like, this is me 
sharing of this is years of my life. This is a very personal movie for me. And the the truth about it is like we talked, you know, like people are going to have their own opinions. I have no way of controlling that. People, Jess is going as a character is going to make people really uncomfortable. And some of us identify with Jess and go, oh, I've been there. And some of us go, what a dick. Who acts that way? And then <laughs> yeah. I get to Why go. Why are they still friends with her? Yeah. Yeah. And then I raise my hand and go, oh, I've acted that way. So, you know, at different strokes, guys, this is what it is, you know. Um, but so because of that, like I found myself really like, oh, God, what are they going to think of her? Are they going to like it? You know, and they laughed at all the right places. And it was it really was great. But it was so nerve wracking. Like I didn't realize I, I should have known, but I was like, oh, my God. And then people can come review it. Yeah. You know, it's just out there. So that's the first bit. And then we're going to have a June premiere uh, in the United States. That will be our U.S. premiere. We are very, very lucky. We got into a festival that I I don't think I can announce yet. Okay. I'm not allowed okay. to announce it, but we have a U.S. premiere in June that I'm very excited right. about. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be on um, all your socials. Oh yeah, it will. It will. No, we're going to, we're going to do the same thing. Like I, but the good news is they have already told us like, we're going to give you where you're going to be a special showing and it, they're going to give us a big ad. Like it's going to be, it'll be sold out. Like it, I, I don't, we won't have any trouble filling that theater, which is great because that's how you want to do this. Like, I don't, it's That's a right. wonderful feeling to have people love your movie so much that they're like, let's give it a nice boost going in. So that's great. But again, what was the first big last, I guess, like as uh, they're going like that, where like the audience went, oh, and you're like, oh, I got him. Okay. Well, guess what? I was so worried because they were British. And my right. friends who are both British were like, just so you know, we're not big out loud laughers. Uh-huh. You know, and mm-hmm. British culture is pretty proper, you know, at least you think it is. It's not really. They're very polite, but they're actually very body in their sensibility. It's Americans that are more prudes in a weird way than the British people. Way <laughs> more prudish. So, and you see it in the trailer, so it's not going to surprise anybody, but there's some masturbation in the film. And in the opening scene, uh, the the laugh, the huge laugh. There was there was there were a few of them, which made me really happy. But there's this moment that I've always thought was really funny, and it's the first minute of the movie, so it's okay. But she cries after having an orgasm, and they laughed hysterically. And when that happened, I mean, it was like uproarious. Like I was like, oh, good. Because if they laugh at that, that means they're in it for the ride. That They are okay with just being kind of messy. And once that happened, I was like, all right, we've all been here. Now let's go. Um, And they laughed at all the jokes, you know, leading up to it. And it was great. It was really great. It was really, it felt really fun. But again, that's the thing about um, the filmmaking process that that nobody tells you. Like, it's really <laughs> fun and you celebrate and you have a red carpet and then you wear the wrong thing for the red carpet and that's a disaster. <laughs> uh, not naming any names, but this girl right here. But um, <laughs> it's fun, but it's filled with all this anxiety. It's actually filled with so much of like, because what you don't think of is, oh my God, the entire future of my movie depends on this on some level. 
<laughs> right? It's not just sharing it with an audience. Like I got to share this movie with you and you're like, oh, I really like this and I really uh-huh. like that. And I go, yay, my art resonated with someone. That's fantastic. If I'm lucky, you know, in my head, I'm like, great. If I'm lucky, you know, when the movie's available to the public, Kyle will say, oh, you got to check out this movie and maybe they'll check it out and they'll like it. Maybe they'll pass it to one of their friends. And that's what I'm thinking is going on. Like, that'll be magical. And yay, let's all hold hands and kumbaya. But <laughs> the truth about the festival thing is like, oh, then you get quotes from me, reviews and then you hope you're going to get another write-up because you're only as good as your last write-up. And it really depends on word of mouth. Like it's for real. It's not just a fantasy is what I'm saying. It, it, you need, and then you need to be able to figure out how to translate 450 people laughing in a theater to the next screening or how you're going to get people to watch it when it comes out on streaming or theatrical or wherever it's going to come out. And it's this, and, and when you're an independent filmmaker, you're in charge of that. <laughs> it's this, you get sales agents and just di- distributors. I'm learning so much about that world. Um, right now, which is it, it is changing so much. It's even flummoxing like big studios are like, how do we get people to see our movies? Like, that's kind of why you keep seeing franchises and giant stars and stuff because they don't exactly know how to navigate the smaller movies. There's a lot of like Hulu originals and Amazon, but guess what? Like the, Amazon doesn't need to make money from people buying movie tickets. They're making money in other ways. Apple doesn't need people to buy movie tickets. They're, you know, raking in dough in other ways. So, and Netflix has sort of spoiled the whole idea that anybody's going to pay $5 (laughs) for a movie because why should I pay $5 for your movie when I can go and, and watch anything on Netflix? Like, and I'm already behind on half my things for free. So it will, it feels like it's for free, right? Right. Um, Anyway, so that's like, that's this whole thing that I'm, that we're navigating now. It's like you, you make this movie and you're like, this is it, boys. Let's march. <laughs> it, you know, it's time. And then soon the battle will be over and we will have won. And it's this weird thing where like you finish a one battle and you're like, my world premiere. And then they're like, all right. So now you have to find sales agents and distributors and you have to navigate mm-hmm. all that, do all your deliverables. And you're a little bit like, Oh, hold that's on, the, boys! That's the world premiere. <laughs> they, were, they were cheering. That was that was the that was the end, right? That's the, that's the credits roll. It's so nutty. It's where you go, God, like oh God, all of that love and all that goodwill. There, ha- the the challenge for today's filmmaker is how do I navigate that? How do I understand that as a currency? that I can then use to propel the movie forward. Like that, that, that is everything. People enjoying your movie is everything, but what audiences uh, and, and, you know, film, luckily film festival audiences really are passionate, but like that word of mouth, like, I don't think people understand how my destiny as a filmmaker, my future Mm -hmm. lies in their hands. Truly. Because if I can prove that people watched and liked my movie and shared it with other people and wanted to talk about it afterwards and it, that it moved them, that critics liked it, that they're, you know, that, that it makes some sort of an impact that's not it got into Sundance, right? That is going to be the saving grace of it. And then in order for me to be able to do that, then there's also like, well, 
I also want to offer something back to them. So now I'm asking myself, well, what is that? Like, do I offer merch at the U.S. premiere? Like, do people want T-shirts with the with, you know, a quote from the movie or I would like a camp T-shirt. Okay. Or like a camp. Or the or the or the the because my my big thing is I like um, stuff that looks like it's it was from the movie. So like I would get like one of the team shirts. She was wearing the like they both had the teams. Those would be really good. I think. Oh, I love that idea. That's a great idea. Oh yes. So you could. So you could like you went to the wedding. So like you could get like a or like you had that really nice sign with the two of them on there, or even the. well, that's another joke I don't want to give away, but when they have the banner up with all the things, like just having like the banner with the with the phrase on it, I think would be good. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot what the what is it? I've watched the movie a hundred um, times. Uh, oh, the, ring it on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ring it on. Ring it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that looks cute. just like that, or even just even just like a cross thing as the banner. Yes. Oh, you're so smart. Well, God, thank you. Well, I, See, I, this just, is... I just I, these are things I like. So, like, they're like, like, do that because if there's people like me, then they'll buy those kind of things as opposed to just like logo. There are logo yeah. people out there too, but there's also this other thing too where you know you want to have something that looks like it came right out of the movie. That's very exciting. See, that's the kind of feedback that I love to hear because what I'm looking at now, like I just met this guy at another film festival who, you know, he is a theater owner and he's like, look, I've got, I've got, you know, 20 screens in the state of New Mexico and I need product. I don't want to show Avatar on all those screens. I would love to be able to offer like an indie movie kind of, he goes, but I need like five or six of them packaged together, do a series you know, and then we'll make an event of it and people right, will like come, yeah. you, you know, and it's this funny thing where like movies like mine are not necessarily hitting people in those markets because, because everyone's going, eh, but will they really come? And it's like, but indie theater owners are willing to take that risk because guess what? If they do come, well, it's, it doesn't cost them anything. It's butts and seats that wouldn't have been there before. Yeah. And, and honestly, cheaper. Because right now, you know, like basically because like when you are a theater owner and you want to get Avatar 2 and stuff too, Disney is taking like Mm -hmm. 90% of everything you make when you have it on there. So you have to pay them and then they get most of it back anyways. Yep. So it's like, please, if you're going to a small theater, buy the concessions because that's all the money they're making. Yeah. Yeah. No, he and he and by the way, for for a filmmaker from my end of it, if I decide to distribute the movie, if I put it up on Amazon, you know, they're going to take 60 percent of every of if if you pay five dollars, I'm not going to see I'm only going to see 40 percent of that at max. And I think it's actually even less. So. I forget what the I don't really remember what the algorithm is on it. The scale is always changing. I could tell you it's not great. (laughs) So I think it's like you get so much per minute oh, of okay. what you sell. I'm not, I can't quite remember yeah, what the I'm sure that I'm sure each of them work their deals differently too. Right. But so if, you know, if somebody buys an $8 or $10 ticket in a movie theater and I get half of that for them seeing my movie in a theater, that's more money than I would ever see on any of the other platforms. Like, so it's a really interesting thing where I'm like going, God, I want to get it to people. And I believe, I believe it could be successful, but also even if it's not, what will I have lost? Nothing. 
Like, you know what I mean? So I'm really, I'm really interested in trying to figure out how to do the theatrical, how to reach the people, you know? I, I want I, I want to be able to share the experience with people and hear back from them. And like, I still go to movie theaters. I love it, you know? Oh yeah, me and too. To, and yeah. And so to preserve that experience and sort of offer the thing that people go, yeah, they don't really make movies like that anymore. It's like, well, they do. It's just that there's no path for movies like mine to get to those theaters necessarily, not yet. So that's something that I'm actually really interested in. And I'm going to be working on is figuring out I've already made connection with the guy in New Mexico and he knows a bunch of people in the middle of the country. So it'll be an interesting I think we're going to try to maybe do that and see if that's a a functioning idea. You yeah, know, I think it's smart. I mean, I think eventually it'll probably will end up on a streaming service, but like, oh, for sure. Let it have its, let it have its life first. Like, let it let it run around the country for a bit before it, it you park it you know, deep, deep down into the menus of, of Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it would be exciting for it to have a little bit of a life so that when it arrives there, that people are maybe anticipating or hoping, or maybe they'll watch it again. I don't know. Or saying like, I saw this and you need to see it now that it's available on the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what so, kind of, so at the end of the, the first screening, then did you do a Q and a? Yes. What, so what kind yes. of questions did the did the, the the British film fans ask you? Um, it was very interesting. There was a question about the music, which I loved. There was a woman <laughs> who was a musician. Yeah, say so your name was in a lot of those songs at the end. Yeah, I wrote a bunch of them. And also, I don't know if you know this, but Abby wrote one of the songs, the song that she's singing when she's heartbroken and crying on the way up to the wedding. Okay. That's her song. That's her wow. singing on the radio. And so she's, <laughs> uh, and then Scout, who plays her girlfriend, her ex-girlfriend, um, has two songs. The one that they're all dancing to at the party, that's Scout's song. Wow. Oh. Nice. Uh, you didn't have to go very far then. You'd be like, hey. No, I, I really, you know, my dream of for this, and this is a distribution thing as well, but like, my dream for this would be that it has a sort of grassroots cult classic kind of thing that happens because I always wanted the money to go back to everybody. Do you know what I mean? I, I we, we By doing it for a lower budget and everybody putting in such love and sweat equity and like giving their actual best, if we did actually have a hit on our hands in some way, it would get distributed to the crew and to the cast and like the musicians. I chose indie singer songwriters who were crazy talented and also just lazily chose a lot of my stuff because it was not lazy, but like it was appropriate for the movie and it was easier because I didn't know how it was going to work getting rights to songs, you know? And I think, but honestly, I'm like, that's a pretty good soundtrack. Like a lot of people have commented on the, on the music in the movie and said, like, I would listen to that soundtrack. And I, my hope was to lift up indie singer songwriters, people who were like, I, I haven't had even the opportunity to have my song in a movie or to have a hit, you know? So like, and to give them exposure. So somebody might listen to, you know, Domino's music on my soundtrack and go, Domino, who is this kid? Go check him out. Cause he's crazy talented. So you're thinking you know? about putting together a, you know, a, a Spotify soundtrack that uh, people can check out? You know, I might put, do a, pl I'm, I'll probably do a playlist because I'm pretty sure all of our stuff is probably on Spotify. So a playlist that I can share, I don't have the legal, unfortunately, I don't have like the legal ability to 
put together a soundtrack and get soundtrack rights from everybody. Because, you know, that's a crazy thing. Like if I was selling, how am I going to, you know what I mean? Like I can't, I can't sell CDs at the place. Like nobody does that anymore. And like, I don't want that money anyway. Like the only thing I would ever want is for these artists to get paid for their work and then to have their work expanded. Like to have people discover them because they heard them in the movie. That would be my dream is that they all get to sell other songs to other things. Yeah. I'd say that that's an uh, easy way to do it too. And another, and another promotional thing you can put out like, hey, if you like the music, check it out right over here. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a, a really pennies, good idea. Literally a couple of pennies pulling their way because Spotify don't pay much. I know it really doesn't. Yeah, I know. I, it's it's tricky. I mean, it really, the, the, with the streaming happening the same way that like the sharing of the music is happening it's like a crazy people are really kind of going oh no yeah the horse went this out is, of the barn this is a not little good bit for like, the people that we really like who make this stuff Ugh. yeah we've made a ton of stuff and then there's tiktok and then yeah. there's instagram reels and there's all this entertainment and there's so much of it people can't even get to it and we've also taught them that it's mostly free <laughs> so you go Oh, what did we do? You know, and that's, I love that model, but I'm also like, oh, we don't have government supported arts. So how do we, for somebody like me, you go, well, I made a movie, but how am I going to make my next movie unless it catches on with, unless there's a demand, an audience. So that's where I am in the process. And I've really, I listened to this. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, like, were there any questions that people oh. asked you that that surprised you or that threw you. Yes. Or like, oh. And I, yeah, there was one woman who asked me why I chose to make the lead bisexual, hmm. which was a really interesting, I don't. Interesting I, in how you phrased that, ma'am. Well, yeah, because honestly for me, and this is me being very nerdy, but it was very true. I didn't like choose it. I, I, and I think I even said that I was like, well, she's attracted to men and women. I don't know. Like she has relationships with both. So I basically answered her question with like, well, she just is bisexual. Um, <laughs> because she is like, that's, you know, that's what that was. Um, but also I will say this, I had written, I had written her I don't even remember if she was bisexual. I think she was bisexual in the first draft. Then I, it was suggested to me by my reps at the time that maybe I take that out and make her straight. And I did. I did. And that was the working draft for a while. And then uh, I wanted Kate McKinnon to play it so bad. And I thought, <laughs> well, why did I make her straight? Like I, so I switched her back to being bisexual and then I never went back because I was like, A, you know, honestly, I've had some struggles in my career because I always write gay and lesbian characters and I always make them leads and important parts of the story. And I've always gotten pushback like of like, oh, it's not mainstream enough. Like if you would just write something that's more mainstream and, you know, less I indie and less fringy. I have a, a podcast with a, a married lesbian couple. They're married lesbian swashbucklers. And so I was advertising for the show and put a thing out. And someone said, I got feedback on the poster that I had made. Not has, like, you know, just digital, basically just like to send it out as a thing. And it says, does it have to say lesbian on it? Right. And I was like, they're a lesbian couple. Like, that's <laughs> that's who they are. Like, I'm not going out there saying like, 
I, this is this is the greatest <laughs> lesbian yeah. love story of all time. But it is a it is a lesbian love story. So yeah, why is and why is that th- word the problem? And by the way, if you I I want to see that poster because I guarantee you I know some ladies who will absolutely buy one of those posters and put it right up on their wall. Lesbian <laughs> sh- sh- swashbucklers? Are you kidding? That's super hot. That's yeah, some pirate well, fantasy business right there. Right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, why why is that a why is that a negative thing? Like, oh, you're gonna turn away some people. I'm like, maybe those are the people oh, I want to turn away. Yeah. And by the way, then I also have this other thing where like there are people who've watched the movie several times and they're like, oh, it's at a gay and lesbian festival? I didn't even think of it as a gay and lesbian movie. And I'm like, right, because it's really it's a human movie human is what movie, it is. Yeah. It's a it's for everyone. Um but like I have had that issue before where they're like, oh, that's a gay project. And you're like, well, it's it. Yes, but also not like yeah. what are we doing? You know, that's an interesting thing that I think we're going to get past. That's my mission anyway, is like I'm just going to keep making movies because the truth is and this is this uh, so far. I, I'm really dying for my movie to get to the middle of the country because yeah. so far I've had very passionate uh, like audience members of all stripes, like every sexuality, every political affiliation, two of the most enthusiastic respondents uh, of, of at one of the screenings, which was like the the cast and crew one, were friends of one of the producers. And they're, I know they are hard right wing Trump loving, like the most aggro, hetero, red state, like the most the guys that you would just imagine rolling their eyes through the whole thing and can't wait mm-hmm. to get out of their chair, both of them could not believe how much they loved my movie because they didn't expect to like it. They right. thought it was not a movie about them or their people. And they felt so, you know, that character, the groom, everybody is welcome for this movie. And I, that's part of the reason why I'm like, oh, I hate that there's even marketing things or that, there, you know, people are going to make all these assumptions. Like we got to, I wanted to go boots on the ground. I want to see, I loved seeing that this guy who I thought would hate the movie was so overwhelmed with emotion at how much he loved it. And I'm like, God, look at that. I never would have anticipated that, but it made me so happy. Yeah. One other guy, I have forgotten to mention another, another praise thing is I really liked there's two things I think of, both involving technology. First of all, you were really savvy about how people communicate in the movie at the start about like, it's a voicemail, it's a text. Oh, I ignored that. I, I saw that. I read that. I didn't see. I mean, all that kind of stuff was so savvy in a way that most movies aren't. Oh, thank you. Like you could really tell that you actually knew what you were talking about in terms of like when you leave a text, when you leave a voicemail, like all those things and how all of them communicate, like who texts who, who calls who, all that stuff (laughs) is very much a part of our character in here living in the 21st century and stuff too. And so few movies understand that where it's just they get back to like, he's not texting me. And it's like, no. The point is, like, how often the content is, it, do, you, do you leave them on red? I mean, all these things. And I felt like, the and for, for someone like, you know, who is not a millennial, I will say that. Also, True. I'm not a millennial too. It was, I thought it was, like, really savvy. Oh, 
good. Thank you. And also, I'm a big nerd for text on screen, and I thought your text on screen stuff was really good in terms of seeing the messages and even like when Jess's message pops up and he immediately swipes it away. I was like, oh, that was so good. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, that makes I, me so happy. I, lo- I love that stuff, and I thought you, re- you did it really, really well. Well, one of the things I initially wanted to do, and of course I had to scrap this because of budget and time constraints, but what I really initially wanted to do in the opening scene was to have her texts and emails and ideas about a dress she was going to buy. And like, I wanted it all floating and coming out of the walls because that's how I feel technology is now. It's constant, right? Like we're having this conversation, but I probably have two text messages and voicemails. And yep, yep. As, know, as like, I've been talking to you, I've gotten an email and, and a couple of ads have popped up on my main screen. And yeah. Right. It, it's a real thing where like you're never just in one conversation. And part of the, you know, I've already, you know, part of the way that she uses sex is, you know, is to kind of try to quiet her mind, you know, to kind of like calm herself down and like, you know, sex for one, masturbation. But like, you know, uh, (laughs) her own own guided meditation. But those floating text things, we found this look that I really liked, but I had wanted that all over, you know, her. But then I ran into a problem because this is probably not interesting to anyone, but I had to (laughs) sort of pull back from that idea because then I was like, oh, how am I going to distinguish the stuff that's floating in the walls from the actual conversations. And it might be too much. And at the end of the day, I was like, it's a comedy. Let's just get to it. Yeah. But yeah, I think the SQ made the right choice. I I like that idea, but I think it, yeah, it would have been, it would have been too much. Plus you'd have had to like call it back later or something. Because like, if you just, that's always annoys me. Like, I can't think of a better example than Suicide Squad, where they do this big thing at the beginning where they like introduce and they have these really flashy like graphics on screen with the characters' names and like yeah. rock music playing stuff too. And then they never do that again. And it was like, why, why did you? <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're selling me something that the rest of the movie does not really follow through on at all. Yeah, I had to I had to roll it back. But I, I think we found a nice, it, everything, you know, every idea informs another thing. Like, you know, I, I love your idea for the t-shirts, though. I'm like, very excited about that. Yeah, I think it'd be good. Maybe even maybe even the ranger station. Maybe even like the, the, oh, hours, yeah. the hours of the ranger station. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the ranger station is a little too close to the actual. Uh, oh, I think yeah, we may have actually. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that might be a little tricky. Yeah, um, that, might, that might be uh, copyrighted. Uh, you don't want to piss off the ranger service. They have, they've that. had a hard enough time in the last couple of years. So, <laughs> well, at least it was a very positive ranger. Funny as hell, Matt Walsh. He was great. Okay, so yeah, I have to say, I'm actually really surprised. I thought Matt Walsh was going to have one scene, and I was really oh, no. pleased the fact that like he comes back, you know, a couple of times and sort of has this nice through line all the way through the end. He's a you know? major, and, and, and major part of the story. He's a major part of it. Yeah, and and, and yeah, he has a little mystery to him. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, great. So, um, okay, so now we, you've had the world premiere in in uh, uh, Jolly Old London. Uh, now mm-hmm. you have, in, in uh, this June or whatever, you're coming up somewhere else to be revealed. Yep. So yep. what's next for the, so, the great journey of Jess Plus None? So the hope is that uh, the U.S. premiere 
gets some sort of the 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 model that has been shared with me is that then there we will meet sales agents or distributors and or both, right? And I have gotten some tips from some other people, but then, so you meet with a sales agent, probably sign a deal with a sales agent who then takes your movie out to the market. And they will negotiate all of the terms of, you know, whether it gets on Netflix or Hulu or Apple or, you know, whether you self-distribute with an aggregator, probably nobody would ever do that, but you can go through an aggregator of these companies where they basically take a cut and then they put your movie up on Amazon and then you get a little bit of it if people buy it off of Amazon. Um, there's Tubi, there's Mubi, there's like, there's just so Roku. There's so many platforms now. There's a lot of places the movie can go, but it's tricky because you're not going to recoup your money from any of those platforms. Um, and a lot of the times distributors have this thing where they're like, well, it's going to cost us much for marketing. So we'll get the license fees and then, but we have to recoup all of our marketing budget and then <laughs> you'll get what's after. And, and that's usually people, math. yeah, yeah. And people don't usually get anything. I mean, some people do, but it's not transparent. It's a, it's not a very good, it's a very good money-making deal for distributors, but it's not good for indie filmmakers. In general, there are definitely exceptions to that rule, but I, I've been listening to these. There's some people who are being so brave and transparent about what the distribution landscape is, which is probably, I'm being so nerdy right now. It's only interesting to people like me. I'm like, I got a movie and I'm taking it to market. What do I do? Yeah. But uh, if they, if they're, you know, jumping in here and I don't even know where we're at 15 or 16 hours into the conversation, yeah, I yeah. think there are people. I think you can get Good pretty point. nerdy. Good point. Well, this is where uh, this is where we yes, we either go the traditional route and the traditional route is so happy and fun. And it's a little bit of that like you're a unicorn. It's amazing. You're going to get, you know, Apple loves your movie and wants to, you know, who knows, right? There's plenty of amazing scenarios. Um, and then there's also this other way where you got to get a little scrappy with it. Like my goal it depends on what your goal is, right? If your goal is to recoup your money, that's a more challenging scenario, but you you can figure out ways to do that. People do that. You know, just to, you know, you put it up on your website and you say, tell your friends they're going to spend 15 bucks for this movie ticket and they're going to support you as an indie filmmaker. It's like cheaper than an Indiegogo thing. You don't have to give me $100, give me 15 and you'll get a thank you from the cat, your favorite cast member, right? That kind of where you sort of, you give people a motivation to come and like give me the total amount of the money for the movie and hopefully we'll recoup some money back, right? That's one way to do it. Um, and then, but then there's like being fun. Like I, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out a way to have it be like a fun experience, like a team up with other experiences. Like, is there a world where it could be at like music festivals? It could be like the film that they show at night during a music festival or like... Uh, you know, like it could it be like a, a shown it? with those like uh, wine bar things like that. You yeah. have, you know, that you can have a couple of cocktails while you're watching. Yeah, the the all the um, dinner theater kind of stuff. That's can I hire not, you? Not <laughs> can I hire you to be on the marketing team for the movie? Because like you're no. really smart. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that, but. It's like trying to think of where 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 is your audience, and it's like, well, yeah. those are the places that they're at. Yes, my friend's husband runs a um, uh, what what do you call it? The place where they sell marijuana, 
and oh, okay. a dispensary. And yeah, she was like, yeah, I was going to say, it used to be called a head shop, but I think now it's a dispensary. Yes. She's like, so you, you get a dispensary to like team up with you so that when you're doing your theater, your, you know, your movie, you can have it be like, hey, you buy, you buy a certain amount of weed and you get like a movie ticket for free. And then you split the, you know, it's like a bonus. It helps, it helps them sell this. It helps me sell movie tickets. You make it more of an experience. Everybody gets something. And then you can kind of split There the, is a model that people haven't done yet. You can watch, you can get like a pizza and watch a movie, but maybe you should get mushrooms and watch a movie. <laughs> well, somebody because, will figure that out. Because someone is, is, you know, people are trying to figure out like, well, what will people pay for? If they're not paying for content anymore, are they more likely to, you know, like, uh, yeah, they'll go, but they'll go buy beer. And maybe if the beer is with the movie, that, enhances the whole experience. I see right? like, like stuff like secret cinema is doing things like that where they're making it an experience. Mm-hmm. So like, I know that yeah. one of my favorite movies is empire records and Rex Manning day just happened recently. And in here in Phoenix, they did a Rex Manning day festival where you go in and you can be dressed up and you can, you know, it's like they, they they themed the whole thing out to, to be along with it, where you're, where your nineties flannel, you know, and then come see the movie. So it, it turns it into rather than just like, one ticket for Ant-Man 3, it becomes like a whole thing where you're dressing up and you're going out and you're having fun with people and you're all laughing at this same movie at the same time. It, it becomes an experience as opposed to yes. seeing a movie. Yes. Yes. So that's the, those are some of the things that I'm thinking of that I get really excited about, you know? But also I, I, I still have to like, I've seen the movie three times now with people that aren't like my closest family and friends. and. Now, uh, you know, I, I have to see how how it plays. Like, you know, I have to see, like, who likes it the most, where it, yeah. where it resonates oh, the be, most. Like, That's going to be really interesting. Now yeah. you get to compare British mm-hmm. audiences and American audiences because mm-hmm. the Brits got it first mm-hmm. to see, like, what, what did people laugh at? What didn't they laugh at? What did they like more? What did they like less? Oh, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It, it really will be. And I will say, like, some other things have been very good about, very good. Like, you know, I, I have gotten a few meetings because people saw it and they're like, oh, you're a really good director. And I'm like, don't sound so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I don't appreciate your tone, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm goofy, but I'm still a good director. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's that th- those little things are good, too. Like, anytime any person watches it, it's a gift. But now we're, it's a little bit like, oh my God, this is go time. This is like, we get to get creative. And we're honestly, just like making the movie, distribution and trying to get reach audiences is, this is the thing that's just so, you kind of have this fantasy that somehow you're going to get swept up into a system and they'll just handle it. Like you'll yeah, get an like, email. We'll take it from here. It's, it's the end of the Muppet movie. We'll prepare the rich and famous contract. Totally. You did good, kid. Now we now we've got now it. Now just you sit know. back. Let the machine do work for you. And it's like anything, like, and this is the thing that I want to say to filmmakers too. It's like, just know this. It's like, oh, so if your movie doesn't get into Sundance, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Most movies don't get into Sundance. It doesn't mean you don't have a good movie. It just means that you are 
you know, when you said to yourself in your brain, oh, but mine will. Not not true. Um, (laughs) So there's that thing where you have to you have to realize you have to plan for and think about in an honest way. Well, if we don't get into without, it's not a negative thing, but like, okay, so if Sundance doesn't happen, then what's next? And it's actually better to just know that the, oh, Sundance happens is such not the norm that it's actually even just better to plan for the other thing with eyes wide open. Like, it's so nice to kind of understand what the rules actually are and not keep building your career on being the exception to every rule, but build your career on the rules that exist that you kind of know. Like, in a weird way, I'm actually shifting my whole perspective from this idea about like, oh, you know, maybe I'll get discovered. Maybe someone will take over the reins. Like, Yes, that sounds so much more fun. But by the way, I wouldn't have made a movie if I was faint of heart. So I want to get sexy about it. I want to be a disruptor. You know, I want to break some rules. Like, let's see. I'm I will. I'm willing for my movie to fail, but not until it gets in front of people. I want to know. Oh, you know. Because then, you know, in, it's or, just in order to in, in order to be a trailblazer. You have to blaze a trail. Well, you do. And these days, because of the way distribution is set up and the way filmmakers are told, this is the path, this is the path, this is the path. Well, if your movie doesn't make one of the top tier festivals, of which there's like five, and, you know, they're not open. Some of them aren't even open to American movies anymore, by the way, that aren't that aren't from big studios. It's 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 a it's like the craziest option. Like, here's your option. Here's the good option. And the rest is actually really terrible. So as a filmmaker, you go, well, this doesn't work. I'm not going to agree to this. I We have to figure out another option and we have to do it because there's people like you, like me, and out in the middle of the country and across the country, there are people that really love cinema and they're starving for content. And there's theater owners that are starving for content. So I was there going, Jesus, we have to make this connection. Why is no one's doing this? Because they're afraid to fail. Because they're afraid to say, oh, my movie didn't tick off these four boxes, and which, by the way, are impossible to tick off. It's, right? And like the the answer to making a piece of art can't be, and I hope you get lucky so people can see it someday. That can't be the answer. Art is important and all art is important. And there's a lot about the commerce of getting movies to people that is not true to what the real purpose of art is. So anyway, hopefully we'll be able to shake it up. That's what I've got so far. <laughs> So I'm going to uh, tell you a thing that happened to me and then because I'm going to ask you a question uh, (laughs) that you've probably already been asked and don't really want to answer. So I'll I'll preface it like this. I got a chance to do a a live show. So I got to I I, I wrote a thing. uh, I I wrote it, directed it, um, cast it. Uh, guy right there. I I did the sound effects. I did the emceeing. Uh, I I brought everybody out there. We did like we we got there and it went great. You know, like a small audience, but like they were enthusiastic and stuff too. And at the end of it, the cast all runs up and they're like, "Oh my god, this was so fun! When are we doing it again?" And I'm standing there, like I'm like, I just built a stage, hung all the lights, painted all the scenery. My hands are covered in splinters and blood and paint and you say can you do that again 
So, Mandy, I ask you, what's Ooh. next for Mandy Fabian? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I know. I know. Obviously, the story of Jess Plus None is not finished. It's it's barely started. Yeah. Uh, so I know that it's still going on. But like, are you already right. starting to think about like what the next thing is going to be? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I have the next script all ready to go, you know? Do you really? Um, oh, yeah. I have a great script that I'm I'm very excited about that I've, you know, sent around to some people. You know, I, I, I don't know. I know a lot more about how uncomfortable this process is. I know how vulnerable I feel every day that I don't necessarily like feeling this vulnerable every day. Uh, I, I, you know, it's made me grow a lot. I feel a lot stronger, but I, I understand what you mean. Like it took over my brain. It's a lot. I, I don't think that I could, I don't know. I don't think I could, I could make myself make another movie at this level. That, that might be really hard. I don't know. We'll see maybe, but it's the one man band of it. I get what you're saying. That's really, really tough. It's it's really, really, it's really tough to do. Um, that said, I fall in love with ideas and I love people and I love audiences. And I yeah. so I love collaborating. And so I know myself. And if I'm not on, you know, on something that I that I'm not putting together, you know, if someone if I haven't been sucked into some collaborative wheelhouse of something, I wouldn't be surprised if I. That's what I do. I, I put things together, you know. I forget the pain of the first child yeah, and right. I get and I get pregnant again. And that's just kind of what I do, you know. I mean, I really, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if I make another movie because I, I, I do think about the alternative and I think about, well, what, you know, what do I like? What would I what would I do if I wasn't making movies? What would I do? And nothing else. Uh, it's like, why would I throw away all of this experience and know-how, you know? Why would I throw it away? I think what I would do is just uh, take take what I've learned and and try to make it better. Like, I'm excited about this distribution thing because it's a whole new way of thinking. And, and, and for me, it's not just for me and my movies. Like, everything I do with heart and intention and every failure that I'm willing to have builds the road for someone behind me. You know, if I discover a way to do this that doesn't just completely suck the life out of you, if you've made it to where I am, God, wouldn't it be great if somebody behind me had a road to go down? I would love that. I would really love that. So, I don't know. Like that's that's where we are now. Uh if you had asked me probably at like earlier today, I would have been like, oh hell no. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> because, you know, it's it's that hard. It's like, you know, it's that hard. But that that's that's when I when I was pregnant, I was like in labor mm -hmm. and I called my husband over and I was like, hey, uh, I can't do this. <laughs> And by the way, Kyle, I meant it. <laughs> oh, I, I believe like, you. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get it out. 
I don't know how we walk backwards from this, but I cannot do this. I'm telling you, I don't have it in me. There's not going to happen. There's no hope here. I'm done. And I had that moment. And I've had that moment so many times during this process. But I keep I keep going because, you know, then my friend watches my movie and says, oh, I really resonated with that. I can't believe you, you know, pulled off the tent seat. And I go, okay. There you go. And that's where we're going to stop the conversation for today. If you'd like to hear more of Mandy's voice, she's got her very own podcast. It's called The Mand Cave, hosting collaboration with her friend, Mandy Kaplan. You'll find it wherever the finest podcasts are found. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the latest chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are many pages left to decipher. We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Kara Gallo, and my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed. For now. <laughs>